So Tron suffered from a critical bug that could have, and this is just me reading the line of the the next <laughs> web article, so I don't have any bias. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Flagship Friday. Flagship episodes are where we discuss all the news, current events, and goings-on in the crypto community in the following week. No, the previous week. We got a little typo. I was going off a brand script. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Crypto Basic. My name is Kareem. I'm here with my co-hosts, Adam Levy. What's up? What's up? What's up? And Brad Philbin. Yeah, hey, what's up? Sorry about that. Uh, Whatever that was. That was a... I don't know. I don't know why I write things. <laughs> well, that's my fault for following your script, but it is flagship time, guys. We're going to go over all the stories in the cryptoverse and any other cool stuff we find for the previous week. Brent, you want to tell us what we released recently? Yeah, well, we released the Basic Blitz episode. We haven't had one of those in a long time. We had a little Basic Blitz about the Binance hack situation. We are going to discuss tiny little pieces of the Binance hack that we didn't mention on that episode, but we're not going to rehash that entire story. So it's like a 20 minute episode. If you want to get familiar with what happened on Binance uh, over this week and how they lost $40 million, go check that out. Uh, it's at uh, cryptobasicpodcast.com slash home slash 178. You can go there and listen to that thing. So that's that. And we got lots of cool stuff coming up. I know I keep teasing decred it's been like a month now but we had this idea that the community seemed to like especially in the discord of trying to do the 101s with the actual members of the team or at least somebody high ranking in the community that can do the 101s and then not give like you know how like in 101s we always miss something or say something wrong we have to correct ourselves on the flagship i would rather just be asking an expert the questions and then discussing what i consider to be the pros or cons with them and see how that plays out. I don't know if it's going to be good, bad, and ugly. It's good. Yeah, it could be better or worse. Anyway, so Decred's coming up. Uh, I have the interview scheduled with the member of their... I think it's a community member, but they have like a DAO. So I think it's kind of like a team member on Friday. and Or my Friday, I'm doing the interview. So I don't know what when this is going to actually be released. Probably Monday or Tuesday. Uh, we've got IOST next week. That's been one that people have been clamoring for. And we are going to do a quick interview on gaming and crypto next week in the overlap of the poker and crypto and betting space. We've got a cool guest on for that. And I believe we've got some lockdown with the with the Ember Fund. So stay tuned. Sounds like a busy schedule. Yeah, buddy. All right. So let's dive into the news. We're going to start with our rapid fire section. These are the headlines that caught our eyes, but not necessarily stories we're going to dive deep into. Which one of you boys is going to take it? I mean, I guess these are all mine that I've uh, found, picked up, plucked throughout the week. So, yeah, I'll take it. So, the first one, Bitcoin, we've reached 6K. uh, And it's been almost 24 hours, I'd say, that we have made it that long. So, that's good. That we're, uh, you know, we're holding. I think we actually peaked at like 6,100, 6,150 or something like that. I think we're at six right now when we're airing this. I think it's a uh, six, yeah, 6,050. And I'm sure by tomorrow it'll be like 
3,800 or something. <laughs> yeah. It, it'll be like 40,000 by tomorrow. Yeah, either or. Either or. or. No. Um, but yeah, it's, it seems to be holding around 6K, which is cool. And this was actually an updated post because it was going to be like, we just reached a peak on the year. 5,900, but then two days later, 6K. So that's cool. And Interesting, then- guys. I was just looking at uh, CoinMarketCap when you were mentioning the story, but like it's been basically just Bitcoin, right? Like the market hasn't trailed like it normally does. Yeah, I think it kind of was like that a few years ago, if I remember. You know, because it, it wasn't really trail. The, the alts weren't really trailing until late in 2017 but in june 2017 bitcoin was just having a day going wild at 20k you know and that that, there's no way that the alts could really hang with bitcoin then yeah yeah Yeah, bitcoin dominance is at its highest levels since january or late december of 2017 so that would be yeah you're accurate that bitcoin's going up and the rest of the alts aren't necessarily following suit um, yeah, the only ones that I see going up here over the last week, for example, is Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I do know that we are, if you had bought in into crypto at the beginning of the year, you'd be absolutely crushing it. it. Everybody keeps talking about the bear market. I don't know that it's necessarily should be labeled as that anymore. I don't think it should be a bull market either, but it's just like a market. You'd be up <laughs> like four and a half X if you'd bought Binance coin, for instance. And it's a minotaur. Other. Yes. Sure. There. It's it's both <laughs> the Minotaur. All right, so yeah, man, we're we crushed it last week, and now we're kind of uh, it's not as rapid. Yeah, so we're let's slowing move down. On to the next one, there are regulators ready to approve Ethereum futures, and this is the CFTC. Uh, this is what like a CFTC insider says. And now, I'm not sure what CFTC means exactly. I know it's the Commission, and it's probably finances trading. I don't know what the, you know, oh, it's Commodity Futures Trading Commission. There we go. So that's a big deal. And hopefully (laughs) within the next few weeks, you know, they'll be allowed to get Ether Futures contracts going. And that might bring some institutional funding into the crypto space. Although it's already, we, I think we've covered it once that the Harvard Tuition Fund did invest, you know, I think three to five million uh, in Blockstack, like maybe a couple of weeks or a month ago. So that's one story. The next one is Microsoft Azure. Hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. I think I am. Blockchain uh, development kit for Ethereum has been released. And this is a big deal because this provides, I mean, this is just a big deal because it's Microsoft really working hard on Ethereum and build and, you know, trying to make that, uh, make it better for the developers that are on Microsoft Azure, which I'm not 100% sure on how, Azure works, but I know that it's their yeah, no idea their cloud offering. So basically, there have been extensions that have been made for the Visual Studio Code, but there's never been an uh, extension that uh, is building like built uh, specifically for blockchain apps. It's utilizing blockchain tools like Solidity and Truffle, but this is actually just a uh, you know completely for Microsoft their like their own version of it their their own app so, that's so they're cool. using some sort of ethereum network based private blockchain if i'm understanding it right i yes. don't know we're we are not qualified to talk about microsoft azure <laughs> at no, all. Look, the fact that they have worked on and released a development kit that's cool you know we talk about adoption some of these stories they seem more like 
flowery than substantive. But when we think about adoption and integration and Microsoft is a company that has done that at the biggest possible scale. So this is uh, at the least neutral to pretty positive, you know? Yeah. And, and I was floundering before because like I had a quote and I couldn't find it, but here we are. I found it. So basically now there is an official set of tools published by Microsoft. In, in the past, it was like, yeah, you could use Solidity or Truffle or whatever. That's a, it's a funny name. I definitely want to use Truffle. I don't know anything about yeah. it, but it is now my favorite programming slash coding utensil is yeah, Truffle. Just in the name. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Pretty cool. And we got two more stories. Fidelity will offer cryptocurrency in a few weeks. That's just a quick one. Uh, Once Fidel, I mean, we've covered Fidelity before and their investment, Mm -hmm. you know, them as an investment firm and how big they are in, you know, just the financial space. So you can now trade with a, a trade cryptocurrency through Fidelity. That's pretty sweet. Yep, I've had a Fidelity account for a long time. I'm I'm ready. Sick brag. They have the best bank account I've ever had. So nice. And the last one is uh, Binance is going to allow margin trading, which is basically what Bitmex does, right? Yeah, yeah. They're going to allow some sort of leverage margin trading. Hilariously, though, they <laughs> mentioned it. It they they made a tweet, and the tweet was margin trading comes to Binance. Details of the hack explained, <laughs> and then something else. And it was like the day they were getting hacked, and it was like, how the fuck did margin trading make it onto the front of that tweet when you just lost forty million dollars? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. They were like, oh yeah, the security breach update is just the second part of it. <laughs> yeah, um, that's like the uh, the Kevin Spacey with, with the allegation, and he's like, wait, 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 wait. I'm okay, gay. I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> breaking news i'm gay yeah. also there's this allegation forget about that thing <laughs> all, all right. right well rapid was, fire took only about 10 minutes this week that Not was good bad. stuff I think it wasn't our worst rapid fire though we've definitely gone longer oh no yes we can always go lower never forget dear listener we have right. been worse however Enough. let's talk about kareem your favorite group of people executives executives Yes. All right. So I have an interesting poll here, guys. I felt like this was actually a lot of fun for this space because, in a way, this is influential people. So there's a company called Deloitte, and they conducted a poll of 1,300 executives. It's actually 1,386 senior executives at companies around the world whose net revenue exceeded $500 million if it was a U.S. company or $100 million if it was uh, uh, in another country. And they pulled people from Brazil, Canada, China, Germany, Hong Kong, Israel, Luxembourg, a bunch of other countries. It's about a dozen. But big companies, and we're talking about senior executives. Now, these are some interesting numbers. First of all, 53% of executives said that blockchain is a top five strategic priority for their company. And that's up, that's up 10% from last year alone. Last year, it was 43% of executives said that. So in this quote-unquote bear market, terrible year for cryptocurrency... Uh, It's a Minotaur market, Kareem. Minotaur, well, we've just entered the Minotaur, okay? We have experienced the age of the bear. So (laughs) 
anyway, you see here very clear growth, 10% growth in executives who say that this is that blockchain is becoming a top five priority. The leading companies, probably not surprising, were in the financial sector is where we see the most adoption. And the polling agency also said that you see some like more diversification in technology, media, and healthcare, so that they're creating more blockchain projects. Only 27% said that it was a priority, but not a top priority. 14% said that it had some relevance, but no strategic initiative. So it's still over half of them. Uh, <laughs> wait, 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 is that phrase like, yeah, we've heard of blockchain. Is that what that means? <laughs> Basically, they're like, yeah, you know, exactly. That's exactly what it means, that they're not really talking about it, thinking about it, planning for it. But this number is powerful, in my opinion. Only 3% of senior executives said that blockchain would not be relevant to their business. And that's down from last year when it was 4%. So it's almost becoming, you know, what we were saying before, how it was kind of like the internet or computers, it just becomes ridiculous to not have them because they're so efficient. They're just an integral part, right? Like the infrastructure of the society. Uh, A couple more interesting numbers, 86% thought that blockchain would eventually reach uh, mass mainstream adoption. 83% said that their executive teams see compelling case for implementing blockchain. 81% plan on replacing their current systems of record. And 77% of senior executives believe that their business would lose a competitive advantage if they don't adopt blockchain technology. That's right. So the last question, when they were asked, is blockchain overhyped? There's actually a lot more questions. uh, We're linking the poll here if you want to go check it out. But the other general question was, do you think blockchain is overhyped? 43% 43% of executives said yes. So still some temperance, still half of them believe that there's some overhyping going on. But clearly, even amongst very influential business you know, individuals in our society that are going to have a lot of influence over the next couple of years, it seems pretty unanimous that blockchain is going to play uh, a major role. Yeah, it- 86%, 83%, 81%, 77%, all these numbers are very high. And then they're like, oh, yeah, it's overhyped, by the way. Also, like everyone thinks that we're going to use it, but it's totally overhyped. So we just need to. That's not inconsistent. Uh, eh, kind of. No, I mean, no. I guess it can be both coming and adopted and It comes with the territory. But- it's just, you know, honestly, think about it. With Burning Man, Burning Man is, you know, regarded as one of the best things you can do on the planet. And it's like some like one of the best parties or best like, you know, gatherings. Everyone talks about it. Everyone says it's the best. Everyone says blockchain is the future. Eventually, things just get overhyped. Yeah. And so would you say Burning Man is overhyped right now? I mean, everything is overhyped, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. I think. And the point that uh, we're making, Brent, is that being overhyped isn't necessarily a comment on the quality of the thing. Being overhyped could be a comment on how hyped it is. Like, it's just on the social commentary. So if everybody's like, blockchain is going to change everything about everything immediately, and every world government's going to crumble as Bitcoin rules the world, then I think it's pretty reasonable for senior executives who are seriously considering blockchain to say, yeah, you know, blockchain could be a little overhyped. All right. I have yeah. a little rant here. That you may have thought that that was my rant, but it's not. Oh, boy. I have a little rant. Kareem, you're going to appreciate this. It's food related. Oh, 
So any anytime I talk about food, you've got you oh, know, I have a food start rant. firing up your, your At the thoughts. End of the episode, I have a food rant, a food recommendation. So there's a little restaurant here that it's like an Asian fusion restaurant that I Asian Texas fusion that I like to go to. And it's it's like a counter service, really cool place. It's called uh Loro, L O R O. And we were we were downtown for Paleo Effects, which is like a paleo conference, which is kind of funny. I was the only fat guy there. And we wanted, we wanted to get some food. So we go to this place called Loro, which it's Asian fusion. And I like that it's called Loro for a couple of reasons. One, uh, my girlfriend can't pronounce the R. She turns it into an L. So for her, it's Lolo. And then I know that like Chinese have problems with R's. So it's like the opposite direction. So it's going to be somebody's going to have an or I'm sorry, L's. So it's going to be Rolo instead of Loro, depending on which part of the asian continent you come from so interesting name for a restaurant so the rant is we walk up and deloitte has rented out the whole fucking place and we can't get in and i remember i'm trying to remember where i knew the name from and as i'm walking up i'm like i'm like looks like this place is rented out i don't think we're gonna be able to get in here and i'm like deloitte deloitte what is that and i remember they're one of the auditing firms they're one of the big four auditors oh <laughs> so you you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take right well, I just walked up to the table and I was like, uh, yeah, Brent Philbin, Crypto Basic Podcast. And they're like, yeah, no. <laughs> they, they looked, they're like, we don't have you here. And I was like, oh, I'm like media. And they're like, no, this is not for media. Like, That's All awesome. Right. <laughs> so one of the restaurants I like was closed down by this scumbag company that's doing uh, <laughs> doing. Well, they're talking surveys. to senior executives, Brent. So plebs like you need to get out of the way while they conduct their research. <laughs> <laughs> uh that's hilarious though i I did go to the the crowd invest summit and i happened to want to talk to a guy who i know was big in the space and he was just like can we talk about this another time like like i'm just like hi i'm this guy blah blah i'm like friends with this person and they're like cool but i'm talking to people that kind of matter right now and i was like wow (laughs) this this is escalated fast why don't we put him on blast? He thought he was talking to the people. We're the ones that matter. Yeah, but admittedly, I was just a poker player who was just, hey, crypto. This was like when it was full mooning. So there were a lot of, a lot of Joe Oh, Schmoes. the first time you went. Yeah. Where, no, okay. Yeah, you yeah. weren't part of the podcast. Okay. No. Well, you, this, if you had seen him this yeah, time, they, you would have been able to talk He would have bowed down and been like, oh, you're on Crypto Basic? Oh, All right, right. Please. That's right. And let that be a lesson to everybody. Don't approach people unless you're hosting on Crypto Basic. It's just a bad move. All right, guys. Moving on to Adam's favorite project. You have a story here about Fron. Uh, remember, Adam, as agreed, you're not allowed to pitch it to the audience. You could you could only just tell us the history. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, so... Tron suffered from a critical bug that could have... And this is just me reading the line of the the next web article so i don't have any bias <laughs> tron suffered from a critical bug that could have brought their entire blockchain to a screeching halt so that is fucking crazy but apparently yeah. when I, I read the article this happens uh like maybe not specifically to that extent but there are a lot of bounties that are given out over the or like for all blockchain companies EOS was one of them that gave out a lot of money just to get these flaws fixed. But still, this one is not cool. So it took place in January. The bounty was paid in February. 
but it wasn't disclosed until last week. Basically, using a single machine, an attacker could send a DDoS attack to all or 51% of the... I'm not sure what a super representative node is, but that's like what it is. And of to 51% of the nodes and render Tron network unusable or make it unavailable. Jeez. Yeah. One person. One machine, yes. That's all it need, it took. So, yeah, there are a lot of bounties that are paid for bugs, but this one seems quite crazy. And Adam, you know what's crazy here? We always talk about how we are not experts in this field at all, not even mediocre knowledge, but DDoS attacks, I felt like, is one of the more basic attacks that usually they put emphasis on yeah. having safeguards against, right? I didn't have to be in crypto to know what a DDoS attack because how many times you're like, I want to go on Facebook, I can't, and then you go on Twitter and they're, oh yeah, it's DDoS attack or some shit. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, it stands for dedicated denial of service. It's like basically the step up from email bombing somebody when you're a hacker. Like You don't even need to really know much other than dedicate some time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then uh, this flaw in Tron's wallet allowed all the network's available memory to be taken up by that one single party, and it would have effectively broken the blockchain during that time. I don't really know what breaking a blockchain kind of means. I don't know how to visualize that. It takes up all their memory. They wouldn't be able to do any transactions. Yeah, but does that mean that so it would be broken permanently or broken Uh, Just as long as they kept the attack up. Okay. And they would they would probably be able to hold the network hostage if they figured it out. They'd be like, we're just going to shut down Tron completely until you pay us, whatever. So basically, this is an episode of Silicon Valley. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, as, as much as I do want to take advantage here and shit on Tron a little bit, I don't know how common this is, but it is interesting to see that like these attacks are going to happen and even good blockchains are going to get attacked and sometimes attacks are going to go through. But cool that bounties do work, man. They really do. Like, how many stories have we covered where somebody finds some leak somewhere and turns it in for a bounty? It really is a good program. So they were saying that this is an industry norm, the bounties. And I think there was a similar vulnerability found with Bitcoin Core, which was a potentially crippling security flaw last September. And they could have been exposed to being flooded with traffic just like this one. But... Generally, in the past, there haven't, you know, nothing. This isn't that common, I guess, in the big scheme of, of bounties. But this company called Hacker One is kind of the one that helps with the, the bounties. So they're the ones that you go to if you find no, no. a bounty or you find the bug. So the, the bounty was discovered by a company called Hacker One, and they just released that disclosure last week about what their bounty was being claimed for, basically. But what was interesting to me when I looked at that article is they have another bounty that they got paid for where they got paid double what they got paid for finding this one. And this bounty was one person could bring the Tron blockchain to its knees. So I'm interested to see what they got paid double for, (laughs) which we don't know yet. And it was also with Tron, Brett? Yep. Also with Tron. I'm not sure if it scales exactly like that, but, you know, like, like based on vulnerability always. Sorry, as a quick side note, you might get paid more for a bounty that actually allows you to move around funds than a bounty that just blocks the blockchain from working. Yeah, yeah maybe. Or efficiency. Like all of a sudden you figured out a bug that was actually keeping your, you know, your blockchain from not being able to process as many transactions or something. Okay. Well, 
I think that wraps it up with Tron. I want to keep us moving into a little bit. I think you're going to cover what happened with Binance, Brent? Or, I mean, I know you covered it in the Blitz, but... Only what we haven't co- Only what we didn't cover in that you got particular some Blitz. Like, more stuff came out. When we were recording slash releasing that Blitz, CZ was actually doing a live AMA on Twitter. He was using Periscope. He was doing video, and he was talking to everybody. I did put a little intro on the beginning of that episode, but I just want to reiterate, you want to reset your two-factor authentication keys on Binance. It's as simple as going on there, entering your two-factor to turn it off, turning it right back on, and scanning that new QR code. It'll take you two minutes. We They don't know which keys have been exposed and which haven't yet. They're figuring it out, and this is part of why they're not allowing any uh, deposits or withdrawals from from Binance. We've gotten a lot of questions in the Discord about, like, is, should we get our money off of there? What is going on? Well, you can't get your money off there now. If it's on there, you're it's there until this is done, until this has been written out. And our advice hasn't changed. Like, as much as we trust finance, you need to only keep on money on exchanges that would not affect you emotionally if it was gone the next day. If the money being gone would really be something that would ruin your month, week, year start having suicidal thoughts or anything like that you don't want that money on there that money's different for every person if kareem left five month five dollars on an exchange and this happened he would be ready to jump off a cliff if adam <laughs> left a hundred thousand he wouldn't care so there's there's a difference uh and i'd it, care hundred hundred thousand that's it that's that's a fair amount i wouldn't right. jump off a cliff that's too high <laughs> <laughs> anyway also interestingly in that same live stream cz set off a firestorm because at the beginning now remember we tweeted this out too he was on 30 hours of no sleep and somebody said something to him right before he got on that stream where they said hey you could actually do a reorg of the entire blockchain and get that money back and in the beginning of the stream he's like you know somebody mentioned that we could do a reorg we're going to look into all options uh, I guess if that's on table, it's an option. I don't know if he doesn't understand or if he just didn't think about it or what. Like, he knows how blockchain works. There's no there's no question. But basically, he said they were considering doing a fork of the Bitcoin chain, which obviously they can't do without support from the community, right? That's exactly what happened with Ethereum and Ethereum Classic. Like, the Ethereum team decided, well, they stole a bunch of money from us, so we're just going to fork the chain so that they don't get that. And... Uh, and Ethereum Classic was like, what are you talking about? Mutable Ledger. Like, that's your fault. You should have had better security on that on that issue. So he said that, and basically Crypto Twitter went ballistic on him. He very quickly walked back on that. He's like, guys, we're, that was just something I said while I was doing the thing. I, I want to put this to bed. The Bitcoin blockchain is absolutely immutable. We are not going to change it. We're not going to ask anybody to change it. We're not going to try to get help from the community to change it. Nothing. So... He was very clear that they weren't trying to do that. Um, people are now freaking out. They're like, "What if? can one guy really change the Bitcoin? I don't think so. I've lost a little bit of respect for the Bitcoin community based on their reaction to the Tether and Bitfinex situation, where they are just defending them for completely unexplicable reasons. Like, I guess because they're worried if they don't defend them, something bad will happen to their money. And the ideology behind the Bitcoin core group has really you know i've lost it but if you are not willing to say anything bad about tether you have problems <laughs> uh i actually uh don't really 
agree with your full your, your I think I think maybe your bias of CZ being a god is coming out right now because I just think that if you are a exchange owner an exchange like like you run an exchange you should know how that works that shouldn't be a question you should ask you know or you you know it, it's just it, it is a I'm not saying that you know like oh I'm I'm uh, I don't really think CZ's doing a great amount for good of good for the company but this was a little I don't know if I'd say worrisome but made me yes. you know use that thinking emoji like hmm I don't know like this guy should know how this works we don't have to necessarily I mean maybe we should because we are crypto basic but you know. <laughs> this isn't something, you know, he shouldn't be like, oh, $40 million got lost. Like, they didn't do anything for a lot of other uh, hacks. Bitfinex got hacked 116,000 Bitcoin. They never considered, I mean, maybe they did. I don't know. You know, I don't know the inner workings of Bitfinex. They're not that public, but no, still. No, Bitfinex was even worse when they got hacked. They took 36% of everybody's money. And then they gave them worthless Bitfinex tokens in return. Oh, wow. Well, regardless, not, but still, this was not the biggest hack in the space. And to roll back the entire, you know, however that works, I just thought that it seems a little, he should know. You should just understand how that works. Well, th- there is precedent for it. Like I said, that's exactly what happened with Ethereum and Ethereum Classic. It was that's five why months old, though. Bitcoin's been there forever. And the whole point of Bitcoin is to not do that. Right. Of course. So he, that's why I said he very quickly was like, yeah, that's stupid. And he, immediately was tweeting like i shouldn't have said that that's dumb i am certain it was just somebody said something right before he got on a on a live stream and he just mentioned it it was he it's not like he focused on it on the live stream he was just like yeah we're, we're exploring all options basically yeah you could be a little bit in a fog in a daze you're going through a period of high stress and stuff i'm not defending i'm saying your point is valid adam i mean it's not a smart thing to say for an, for someone in his position but Live streams are weird where it's not like a prepared statement. Kind of, it seems like more off the cuff and, you know, that's that, that, like Yeah, I, I can definitely, you know, get on board with that. And, and yeah, he did apologize for, you know, say like tweeting something about, you know, a reorganization. Like it was funny because his tweet was like, we're not going to reorg. And it, it's funny because he probably felt that he had to tweet that because, so many people were probably talking about it in the live stream, like, ooh, whoa, yeah, whoa, that's whoa, what, whoa. And it's like that's he actually happened. didn't need to tweet anything. Crypto about Twitter it. freaked out after he did the live stream. And then after like 30 minutes, he's like, guys, we're putting this to bed. Like, this is not a thing. We're not doing it. And then, of course, like the grammar Nazis attacked him and they were like, oh, you said I am not going or something. He used like the wrong pronoun <laughs> for like English not being his first language. And said like i instead of we so it sounded like he was acting like he controlled the bitcoin blockchain and he was god and he was choosing not to do it was like dude they were really reaching crypto twitter really want like i don't understand why people are so hard on cz here for just like like a a live stream comment and then the wrong pronoun and then everything else like his messaging has been very clear and very on point he's like guys it's it's 100 percent not ever on the it's not on the table it's nothing we're doing like this is we're never going to discuss it with anybody blah 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 so um it's just strange i wish they had that vitriol and reaction to bitfinex and tether did you <laughs> see the Novogratz tweet that then vitalik got in there and then charles hoskinson got in there as well oh no so i guess Novogratz was like i'm shocked that 
Binance CZ would even consider it. You know, it was five months old when Ethereum did it. Uh, Bitcoin's not 100 million. And then Ethereum, because Ari Paul was tweeting about the... Uh, he, Ari Paul did say that it was a very superficial discussion, mostly dismissal of CZ. So that's fair. Uh, but then Vitalik was like, Ethereum did a surgical, irregular state change. We never even considered rolling back the chain. Uh, the collateral damage from that would have been huge and possibly fatal. Then Charles Hoskinson replies with a GIF and one word. <laughs> it just says surgical question mark with 12 dots, like dot, dot, dot. And yeah, you got to see it. And then it's the Kermit and Christian Bale mm-hmm, GIF where they're just shaking each other's head. Uh, it's, it's a quality interaction. <laughs> link, link the tweet. Link the tweet. Yes. Oh, man, that's hilarious. I love watching the titans of the industry squabble. <laughs> yeah. The tweet will definitely be in the show notes. I thought that was pretty hilarious. And uh, I love a good use of the Kermit and Christian Bale GIF. Yeah. And I can always get behind some back and forth between Charles and Vitaly. Yeah. All right, guys. So why don't we move on to another one of our favorite personalities? I want to give you guys an update on the Craig Wright lawsuit. Oh, yeah. Here we go. I know. I know. But this is fun. Little blog post that broke down some more of his shenanigans. (laughs) How do you say not surprised in English? (laughs) So anyway, let's catch up to what's going on in this lawsuit and then give you some of the new details. So Greg Wright, who claims to be Satoshi Nakamoto, is being sued by the Kleiman family, the family of David Kleiman. Craig Wright says that he developed Bitcoin with David Kleiman and that they have all this money waiting somewhere or whatever, and now the family is suing for that money. They accuse him of stealing $11 billion worth of Bitcoin. And then last week, I guess after some fighting about Craig Wright showing where he keeps his addresses, his Bitcoin and stuff, the court finally ordered Wright to disclose the Bitcoin addresses that belong to him before 2013, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the problem for Mr. Wright. He says he's Satoshi Nakamoto, so he should have, <laughs> he should be the owner of all of them, right? So, he turns in 70 addresses to the court, but they're redacted. They were unsealed, but it's still redacted. And this is what the lawyer writes when they're submitting the evidence. Quote, Dr. Wright knows that he mined the first 70 blocks on the blockchain. Because the public addresses associated with blocks are publicly available, Dr. Wright is able to identify the public addresses associated with this first 70 blocks on the blockchain and provides those addresses below. AKA, (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Wright knows that he mined the first 70 blocks. And then here's this public information that's publicly available. So, so then this company, uh, WizSec, it's it's a Bitcoin security specialist. They, I mean, the article says a report. It's really like a blog post. But first, they point out in their research that we actually don't even have reason to believe any of this money exists because most of our belief that this money's around comes from Craig Wright's own stories involving him creating Bitcoin with David Klein, which didn't even happen. So this could be a lawsuit over money that doesn't even exist but that Craig Wright still has an interest in proving that it somehow does <laughs> without having to give it to them. Now, here's what Craig Wright claims in court, that he didn't remember 
the keys and the addresses because he forgot them, but that he can share them because he mines Bitcoin so he can access them on the blockchain. And then what they did with the redacted, oh, oh yeah, I know. And what they did, the reason that we know that he basically just copy pasted the first 70 public addresses on the on the blockchain is because they took those addresses and copy pasted them over the document. And if you guys click on this little toggle that I put here, they match up perfectly. The red is the public addresses. They just copy pasted them over the black redacted stuff. So <laughs> even though all the addresses haven't been redacted, we know that it's oh a my perfect God. match. He went one by one and copy-pasted the public addresses and submitted them. I thought this was a pretty good quote, so I'm going to go ahead and quote the the people that wrote the blog post because this is great. It beggars belief for the self-proclaimed inventor of Bitcoin to act so ignorant about the fundamentals of his invention. Perhaps Wright thinks that being a Bitcoin miner means pointing at Bitcoins and yelling, Mine! (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. <laughs> so when I first got into the space, we'll say 2016 summer. Oh, that was uh, a long time ago, there, long boy. Time ago, yeah, back in, the day. yeah, back in my day. <laughs> uh, so he came out and said he was on BBC television, I think, and the network, and said some news piece. I am Satoshi Nakamura, and. What? <laughs> Nakamoto. Nakamoto. Sorry. Satoshi Nakamura would have been the, the diehard Heroes guy. season six. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Yeah, you're right. like, oh, Nakamoto. Nakamoto. Oh, Nakamoto. So it makes me think why would he go that far to go out and reveal himself? I wonder if there's more to the story, like more to as to why he's gone on this path for the past three years trying to act like he is that when it's just like such a deep bold face like he's trying to win 70 what how much is this lawsuit 70 million dollars 11 billion the, oh, 11 million that money doesn't exist. no guys okay so the correct analysis is uh if you ever listen to the crypto basic podcast you know the fundamental law of the universe is scammers be scamming and scammers do be scamming scammers be scamming this is dna go watch firefest again just as a reminder this guy <laughs> is just like the kid from firefest and sorry if I piss off some of you, just like Donald Trump. They're like the same type of personality. They just, it doesn't matter. They, they just keep going with the lie and they get deeper. And as long as they never stop, you can never prove them wrong. Like reality doesn't matter. They can just <laughs> like. They just keep raising. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. But he also makes money. In the rant money. section, I'm going to talk about somebody else that. Uh... And as a side note, he also makes money. He benefits. He gets fame and he gets money from the people who believe him and follow him and invest in him, you know, but this is somebody who's lied about his education, who's lied about his accomplishment, who's lied about his net worth, who talks a bunch of shit. You know, he's just one of these narcissistic scamming personality types. He's a con man. That, yeah, that interview probably made him a lot of money because I believed it. I wanted to believe it for a while. And I had friends being like, no, this guy's fake. Cause I didn't know anything. And there were probably a ton of people who just thought that as well. So it's really hard to, you know, once the media train gets going to kind of un, you know, tell everyone, oh no, that's wrong, right? And uh, the next story, I guess it's it's titled by Brent. Go figure. It's more Bitfinex shit. That is definitely more Bitfinex shit. A Brent yeah. Title. So <laughs> there's there's just been more connections with Bitfinex and shady shit going on, right? 
So <laughs> there's this guy, Reggie Fowler, who's now in- connected to this. He used to play football for the Vikings. Or, or no, sorry, not for the Vikings. He's played football, but then he became a partial owner of the Vikings for a period of time. Uh, he made headlines because he was the first uh, black person to have a piece of a uh, f- uh, National Football League franchise. Uh, he no longer has that piece. I don't really know the story about it, why he isn't an owner anymore. But the accusation, and we have the link in the show notes to the actual stuff from the DOJ, is that he literally just made it easier for Bitfinex to move money around by making a bunch of different bank accounts. Um the connection between Bitfinex and this was made because modernconsensus.com noticed that one of the bank accounts in the Bitfinex indictment was in Fowler's name. So they were able to figure out that he was part of this. There's another warrant that was issued and he's he's been arrested. There's another warrant that's been issued for an Israeli citizen named Ravid Yosef. If you're interested in learning more about her, she's also a dating coach. You can go to her website and uh, I need help. And I need help. Learn, learn learn how to date better. She's like a mid fifties or early fifties uh, Israeli chick that'll tell you how to date people. So Fowler has had like a few other scandals. He's been sued thirty six times, Jeez. and they they've accused him of basically running a shadow bank for all these different people who are needing to run money through him. Apparently, one of which was Bitfinex. And he's uh, linked to the company Crypto Capital. And I, he either owns it or he's, he's a part of it. And there's chat transcripts of Bitfinex asking Crypto Capital for millions of dollars. And they're asking them for millions of dollars and saying, you've been sending us money. What happened? Where's our money? We need more money from you, basically. So the details of this are just coming out. It's all like pseudo speculative. All we know is that there's a bank account. Fowler's involved that dating coach is involved. And when Fowler was arrested, he had $14,000 worth of fake hundred dollar bills in his office. Oh, so, <laughs> so I don't know. That's what, pretty incriminating that you yeah. cannot like, how do you explain that? <laughs> it, <laughs> there's, there's even more going on. Like crypto capital is somehow connected to Colombian cartels and Quadriga via different transactions that they've made. There was a lot. Some of it got kind of speculative, so I don't want to get into it because they were saying like, well, none of these exchanges operate in this country, but this one does. So even though we know it was an exchange and it was this much money, there were only two or three exchanges that could even handle that kind of money. Therefore, it had to be Quadriga or it had to be Bit, uh, Bitfinex in this scenario. So it's it's deductive reasoning. It's based in fact, but the conclusions are far from you know 100%. But it looks like they have ties to uh, Colombian cartels and Quadriga. So we have the links to all of those research papers in the show notes. If you want to go do a little bit more research on that, but definitely interesting. Um, poor Reggie Fowler, man. It says here he's facing no, no. 70 years. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, it's pretty serious. It's uh, it's going down and, and um, yeah, I don't know. They haven't found the, uh, the dating coach yet. So, well, boys, it's time for crypto. Around the world. All right, and this story is going to be about our favorite tech giant, privacy champion Facebook. So, Facebook is apparently getting ready to launch their super secret cryptocurrency project in India. 
the stable coin that we talked about in previous episodes. So if you remember, this is called Project uh, Libra. And the idea is to create some kind of stable coin that can be transferred between WhatsApp users or possibly used in Facebook shopping and essentially become kind of like a coin that's commonly used on the internet. So there's been hints that they're going to launch in India. Why India? Well, Number one, it's actually going to be very well tested with remittances. And India has 200 million WhatsApp users. 200 million, that's that, yep. like 66% of the U.S. population. That's pretty strong. And that's just wow. WhatsApp users. <laughs> so uh, the article then goes on to cite a cryptocurrency guy that manages a cryptocurrency fund that explains to you why this is very bullish for crypto. And then <laughs> uh, this is good for crypto. Two hundred million people. You gotta. Yeah. <laughs> bye bye bye. However, uh, if you want a little peek as to the direction that the project might take, um, it's led by the former president of PayPal, David Marcus, and apparently one fifth of the blockchain team at Facebook is staffed by PayPal employees. So that gives you an idea, maybe of like the direction or the vision that they have or the influence they want to model after. Uh, and I think that there's more, Brent, you wanted to add about the ads. Oh yeah. Well, you know how like they banned all the ads for the period of time on Facebook mm -hmm. for crypto. And then they were like, yeah, if you're like pre-approved, we'll let you do it. They've actually gone even further back. So now the default is that the ads are going to be okay as long as they're not ICOs. And then they will still all be under review and they still won't approve uh, anything shady in theory, but they're going to allow like exchanges and all of that to actually go on Facebook and, and purchase advertising space again. So I don't know if that's good or bad because when that was happening before it was everything I scrolled past was like, are you ready for the next ripple <laughs> here or whatever the case. So, yeah. And it makes me think, you know, I've seen a lot of articles that say that, um, generation not the baby boomers but the ones that come right after the baby boomers is that gen what x gen x yeah no, okay or, i think i want to say they're gen x so the generation xers and baby boomers are the most likely to spread fake news uh on facebook and stuff and that they my guess is that they were also going to be some of the most susceptibles to predatory advertising maybe maybe not so much for crypto but in general, you know what I mean? Yeah, I can agree that the predatory advertising, like it just, you see it. I mean, you see it with the age gap with who owns crypto and stuff like that. I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah, it scales very aggressively down. And it's who shares the most dumb memes or like when they copy and paste the thing that says, I do not give you permission to use my pictures on Facebook. Or something that is really cleverly done. Like, let's say that April Fool's Amazon joke where, or the video where they, it was CGI and there were these little drones that were doing packages and there was a AI blimp floating. That I saw pop up on Facebook from, from other people. And then you, th those are the type of things that they're never going to, they're going to think that's real. And they're going to start freaking out or something like that. They, 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 there are a lot of things that get refuted, but you have to do, you actually have to do decent research. And I'd say that that generation that doesn't really know how to use the internet all that well 
is definitely not going to is definitely going to fall for a lot of stuff like that. Which yeah. I know we're not in the rant section yet, but have either of you seen the documentary about flat earthers on Netflix? No, no. I heard Earth. it was crazy, dude. It's pretty insane because it's not even just about like. Oh, dude, it's so crazy. It, it makes you feel kind of like the fire festival is like watching a train wreck. There's so many parts of this, dude, where, I mean, some people are not smart people, but a lot of these people are smart. And you just see how they fall into this. Like, dude, if you have uh, not watched the Theranos doc, then you need to watch that because this is uh, Theranos. It, it literally has Tim Draper, who's actually a pretty well-known investor. And there were multiple people that were just completely on Elizabeth Holmes' side, thinking that this was going to change everything. Yeah, because she was lying to everybody. So insane. That takes some balls. Actually, one of the quotes was, I don't think she was necessarily lying. I think she legitimately believed that all this stuff was going to happen. So she created her own reality, Ah, which is kind of wild. I mean, I believe. We've had experience with that. I mean, I've definitely had people be like, well, you know, I, I know in my reality, this is different than in your reality. And I was like, wait, what? No, no, no it's time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Believe, we live in the age of alternative facts, boys and girls. Get used to it. Uh, long live fake Toshi. We're going to move on to the shots fired section. No, we're oh, not. No, 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 no. no, no we no, skipped no. the story. Kareem, we, we went prematurely to around the world. But it's, it's fair because I added this at game time. It was a game time decision. But I think it's important. So Ethereum, the proof of stake testnet just went live maybe a day or two ago, I think. And oh, cool. it's dubbed Ethereum 2.0. And it's the upcoming ETH Ethereum chain with improvements in security, security scalability, and decentralization. Ooh, and, I like all those words. Yeah. And <laughs> it's gonna fo- a lot of it's going to focus on sharding which is also a vocabulary word that I don't think you guys covered, correct? Uh, I don't think we covered it in terms. No, we did, we did not. I mean, I've covered, I've probably told stories about my own experiences no, with sharding, but I don't think we had that in Did we have that in terms? I don't remember. I think you made a very similar joke. Yeah, well, sometimes it's take <laughs> the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> also, like, I've shit my pants a lot. Like, I'm, I'm, it happens. All right. Well, uh, we're going to try to move on from that. I don't think we can, but we're still going to try. Uh, so shards are, to those who don't know, because I still, uh, it's it's been a while for me to understand it, but I feel like I, I, I kind of get it now. So basically, shards are splitting up the entire Ethereum network into multiple portions. So sharding, that's what that is. Into, so they're going to be split up into shards. And each shard is going to contain its own independent state AKA a unique set of account balances and smart contracts, which will help scale. So basically in my head, it feels like we got the big, huge Ethereum network. And then there's these little mini networks kind of helping things run smoothly. Would you guys agree with that assessment? Yeah. I mean, that's more or less what my understanding of sharding is. It's almost like they break the network down into a group of nodes and then the regular nodes are just mining those or working with those nodes. And it's kind of like the corporate structure. I mean, the, the shards are basically going to be the, like the, all the VPs that are reporting the managers, to the, to the CEO. The Ethereum's the CEO. Yeah. And the last thing is it is the testnet is publicly accessible with links to start staking actually. Uh, if you'd like to get in on that, uh, it's very bare bones, 
you know, sharding's not up yet, but there are, you know, it, it is it is good good to see that this is moving forward. To be clear, you can't get any actual Ethereum for staking. You can just set something up and test it out, basically. So if you want to help out and talk about all the, any issues you have or anything like that, you can do that. But you will be getting testnet Ethereum, not real Ethereum. Aha. And that's pretty much that. Uh, that I did think it was pretty relevant to discuss uh, because it came out. I actually saw this today, but I think it came out two days ago. And yeah. So now we can move on <laughs> to... I refreshed my website, by the way, guys. That's what happened. It doesn't auto refresh or something. When I refreshed it, I saw your story. Oh, interesting. Oh, no. But I can see like Kareem moving around in real time. You're using the Notion website, not the Notion app. That is correct. Wow. Am I some kind of pleb now? Well, it, 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 you can see people working on it in the Notion app. So maybe that's a, yeah. So I can see where the B or the K is. You know, Kareem is at, you know, the rant portion. Rent's at the rant portion. Well, I can if tell you. If you want to know what we're talking about, I'll, I'll share uh, in the show notes this week. I will share our uh, notion outline for this episode. So you can like go look and see. It's actually pretty great. What notion uh, I really, like. I really like notion. Uh, so if you happen to need to make a good outline for something or just, you know, you're doing some project with work that you do, it's, it's pretty helpful. Okay. Now. After that free plug for Notion. <laughs> Sponsored <laughs> yeah. by Notion. Sponsored by Notion. We're I mean, it's free. Rant. You finally get the rant. Uh, I can feel the anger coming through the keyboard. Talk to me. So if you've been following me or the podcast account on Twitter, you know I've already gone off about this. But the A16Z podcast has had professional scumbag Annie Duke on their show. And they were promoting her book. She wrote a book about how to think and how to make decisions when you don't have all the information. Uh, I thought maybe it would be about, you know, how to, it, it, this isn't like a Wolf of Wall Street situation where Annie Duke has owned up to what she's done and now has served her time or whatever and is basically treading off of that kind of scumbaggy name. Like, we're not, I'm not going to yell at A16Z for having the Wolf of Wall Street on there, Jordan Belford on their show. Everyone knows he's a scumbag. They had her on the show, didn't mention anything about any of her scandals. And she has had multiple scandals in the poker community. It started when she may have had whole card information when her boyfriend's account was at the final table of a of a tournament on a uh, on a poker site. And the, it goes on to she may have been involved in that same poker site, uh, taking everybody's money before Black Friday. Adam, you lost like a fuck ton of money on that site, right? That, like $40,000. Yeah, but I mean, I, w- I was a uh, rep for that site for a yeah, bit. Yeah, you did rep them, but it wasn't like... Uh, I wasn't involved. I just was getting paid for wearing a patch and kind of right. just... Yeah, but and yeah. they didn't actually pay you because they got to keep all your money in the in the end. Uh, so Annie was involved in that process. Whether she's known to that company or had a piece has always been a question. But then she even goes further and she started a poker league with promises of giving players millions of dollars to play in poker tournaments. Which I also was in and I bubbled the bubbled as in I got <laughs> the fi- I got seventh and ninth and the final table was six and eight, the first two events. So then I got into the uh, free roll for the event, which was going to be a million dollars given away. And it was basically like 20, 30 people. I think my equity was somewhere roughly around like 35K. And, uh, 
that never happened. And it never happened because she was she started another fucking scam. So they <laughs> they raised a bunch of money. She got her salary of like three hundred thousand dollars or whatever as the commissioner of that epic poker league. And then before they ran, the only thing that they promised to run, they ran all these little satellite tournaments where now like Adam gets to play in this thirty person free roll tournament that's got a million dollars on the line. Nope, no million dollars. Like there's it's not any different than Firefest. The company goes bankrupt and she gets away with it because it's a white collar crime or whatever. But so she doesn't do any jail time. But A16Z just had her on their podcast. They don't mention any of that. They don't mention any of her her past as a scammer. The whole purpose of the podcast is that she's telling people how to make good decisions when she very clearly is making awful decisions throughout the entirety of her life. Her brother also, also a total fucking scumbag. His name's Howard Letterer. So basically, like whatever whatever their father decided to do to raise them, they made really dumb decisions. So here's another thing. Here's their description. This is from their description. This podcast features the author Annie Duke, one of the top poker players in the world. Annie Duke has not cashed in a poker tournament since the day that almost to the day that Bitcoin was fucking created. Not really. 2010. <laughs> 2010 in in June was the last time she even made money in a poker tournament and it was an invite only tournament of champions poker tournament that she just happened to get she didn't even buy into it the last meaningful thing that she did was win the NBC heads up poker championship in March of that year nothing else so yeah one of the top poker players depending on how you want to use that metric in my opinion she wasn't even a top poker player when she was a top poker player but that was nine years ago, and they just had her on the podcast and wrote that as her description. So she's still treading on that poker champion message when really she's a poker scammer. She can't set foot in most poker rooms because the second she did, she does, most people are going to just throw tomatoes at her and shit. So this is a particularly vitriolic rant from me because I emailed A16Z to either come on our show or for us to come on theirs. I was like, hey, you guys are a podcast. We really respect you guys. We'd love to have you on the show. And their response to me was that they are very selective. And they put like fucking stars around it of the guests that they have with regards to coming on the podcast. And they are going to need to pass at this time. So yeah, you're real fucking selective, A16Z. Nobody's responded to any of my tweets. Annie Duke has blocked me. Uh, A16Z hasn't given any indication that they care whether she's on there. I really hope somebody like Doug Polk does something or says something because I guess we're not big enough to get any comment from them. But, yep, that's just a really shitty thing to have somebody on, which is why we're so careful about who we have on the show. We've turned down so many people because we just do one Google. All you have to do is Google Andy Duke's name to find out that she does this shit. It's not like you have to know or be an insider in the poker world. Level one research. Well, so very selective just means drives the most clicks or listens. Yeah, and my guess is she paid for it. I mean, I don't, I don't know. We always disclose who pays for what spots on our show, and if they are a or if we have coins or something like that. Not everybody is that professional, and uh, despite some of the goodwill that I've gotten towards the A16Z team. This is hard to miss. Like, this is, again, level one shit. So what other level one shit are they missing in their investment funds? Yeah, I do think that... So what's been happening with Annie Duke is that she came up with this book, and I've been seeing friends, random non-poker friends who don't know about her past, who just started reading it, and her book, apparently, they're really liking it. And 
from what I remember about the book is it's very simplistic and she's just trying to make, you know, keep it going from, you know, after having, after being shunned from the poker community. But still tread on her poker uh, celebrity, I guess, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. I mean, I kind of like, what do you expect of she, she's, she probably deals with a lot of people like this. This is not the first time. I know that one time Jason from like Jason Calacanis, who's a big uh, angel investor, he's got his podcast Twist this week in startups. I know that he started talking about that book, how it was great. And then the poker community, because he actually plays poker, was like, bro, what's going on? And I mean, it seems to happen a fair amount. And uh, I think that she just knows about it and just tries to act like nothing happened. I saw her pop up on a on a charity poker tournament as like a person that was going to be there at one point for a Texas poker room when Texas poker rooms were like pretty new. And what's funny is our friend Ebony Kinney is here and she's a, arguably got more credibility in poker than Annie Duke ever had. And she emailed them and was like, if you guys go through with having her as a part of this charity tournament, I will never step foot in your room again. And if I understand it correctly, they took her off. So... Yeah. So one good of, on them. One of the things that uh, the audience might not know, which is a weird dynamic in poker, is that the boom or the peak actually happened. It already happened during that time, kind of like when Annie Duke was uh, popular. And then it kind of lost its TV mainstream appeal a little bit. So the community kept evolving, but a lot of these people were actually famous when it was peak fame, if that makes sense. So they right. got to benefit the most from walking around and being like, Oh yeah, I'm one of the best poker players in the world. Even though like they're no longer competitive, right? Like we we know the name of somebody like Sammy Farha, who normally you wouldn't know his name unless <laughs> you were playing in the biggest games, and you're like, oh, he's the fish that we'll do anything for. But like we knew who he was because that was the that was the poker boom. There. I was watching level, that right. replay on ESPN a long time. So a little bit of a look into the poker community. Uh, if you let A16Z know that that they interviewed a scammer, that would be great. I mean, it's coming from us, but it's going to sound like I have an ax to grind. Adam is way too professional to say anything. And as you just heard, had $40,000 and another $35,000 in equity basically stolen from him directly related to this woman. Like, this is specific to the podcast. I offered her to come on the show, uh, which is when she blocked me. I said, I will, I'll have you on the show. It'll be a hostile interview, but I'll be professional. And I'll ask you the questions that you have been avoiding your entire career. Mm -hmm. Like even Howard put out a letter where he apologized. He released it through Daniel who, who hates him. And he said, you know, can you put this letter out to the community? And it was mostly because he wanted to play in the world series of poker again. But anyway, uh, that's a, that's only going to be interesting to our poker listeners. If, if I keep going on that rant, but uh, yep. Annie Duke's her own little micro fire festival. And I'm sure whatever she's working on with trying to go on crypto podcasts is not going to be good for the community. And if she does get involved in any sort of a crypto project, yeah, run away. And, and then I'll be really screaming from the rooftops and spending all of my free time trying to get on every show to go talk about her. All right. And <laughs> that's a warning, Annie. You better be listening. Yeah. Bitch. Whoa. Whoa, Brent. Brent. Come on, Brent. And James, um, if you bleep that part out, I'll smile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the swear word that we got to get rid of. Yeah, but it's directed yeah, but specifically it was, at a bit. Yeah, but it was really like random and out of nowhere, and filled, charged with emotion. I think yeah. it's time for me to come in and temper down expectations. Brent, you look great today. By the way, have you been doing something new to your face? It's working. You look great. 
You can't see it, audience, but believe me, it's looking fantastic. This has been uh, an episode of our Friday flagship. Adam, anything you want to say to the audience before we sign out? No, I think we're just the PC police today, and we got to police Brent a little bit. <laughs> and uh, other than Damn, that, SJW's uh, up in here. A solid flagship Friday, and I hope everyone has a great weekend. And uh, yeah, I think we're about done, right? All right. Have a great weekend, everyone. Please remember, we're not financial advisors. All investments have inherent risk. Don't make Brent angry. He will chase you down. And if you like what you hear, please give us a rating on iTunes. Hop on our Discord. Peace out. Later. Peace.